Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you're only going to be my friend because of what I can do for you, what you can get out of me, you're not a friend. That's an enemy, by the way. That's not a true friend. A true friend is found when you and I are first friendly. And ultimately, we do have a friend. We have one friend, at least one. And he sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. I love that account in the Gospels when he says to the disciples, you know, I'm your brother. You can call me friend. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Good friends are hard to find. As we get older, it seems to become even more difficult. Today, Pastor J.D. discusses the importance of true friendship and communion with one another. It's not about the quantity, but the quality. Don't be discouraged if your friends are few, because you have the greatest friend of all, Jesus. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 18 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Now, I I kind of struggle with this one, and I had to look to the commentaries. I don't usually go there uh, initially. Eventually I might, just to make sure I'm on the right planet when I'm, you know, teaching it, so I'm not too far off. At first read, I kind of took away from this that when you, you know, bring gifts as was and really is the custom today, we were talking about this on Sunday, the gifts from the wise men. It was very customary, a royal visit. You would always bring gold to a king at a royal visit. That was the custom. So my first thought was along those lines, that maybe this is speaking to when you bring a gift, uh, you'll be before great men. And then I heard this commentator with this insight, and it kind of intrigued me, because the thought was that it's not a physical or monetary gift, rather it's a spiritual gift. Stay with me. Think about this. So you have this gift. God has gifted you spiritually. We all have been given spiritual gifts and talents, right? And if we use those gifts that God has given us, then we will have doors open for us. I think about the proverb that we're going to get to, that if you see someone skilled in what they do, gifted perhaps, if you prefer, they will not be before obscure men, but before kings. In other words, when you have a gift and God gives you a gift and you use that gift, He's going to open doors with that gift that He's given you. And certainly this is true in ministry as well. Verse 17, I love this proverb. I use this proverb so many times in my life. The first one to plead his cause seems right until (laughs) his neighbor comes and examines him. Okay. Let's have a little bit of fun with this one. So you got this situation, right? And the first person comes to you, and they're going to tell you their side of the story. And you're listening to them, and you're starting to kind of feel sorry for them. And yeah, and then they did this to me. Oh, how could they? And then they did this. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. No way, way. 
And they're just, I mean, they're pleading their, their cause. By the way, this is why we do not offer biblical guidance to the husband or the wife alone. It's the two of them or nothing. Because if you allow that husband to come in first and plead his case, by the time he's done, you're going to think that wife is the Antichrist, okay? And then she comes in and she pleads her case. You're going, wait just a minute. It's, it seemed right. He was saying all these things and pleading his case. And you're going, wow, this is unbelievable. And then you hear the other side and you're going, wait a minute. This does not, you, where's the person that he said you were? Because that's not the person that's sitting in front of me now. There's always, and you've heard this before, in fact in the Arab culture we have a saying, there's two sides to every coin. It's more literal in the Arabic. I know we have that in the English too. It's the other side of the coin, or I don't know how we, how we say it. Or there's always two, two sides to the story. I'm, I'm completely botching these uh, sayings, aren't I? But you get the point, right? And this is what the Proverbs is saying. The first one to present their case, oh man, you're going, that, that seems right. They're wrong. And then the other comes and says, wait a minute, you need to hear my side of the story. And then they come and then you examine, you ask questions, and all of a sudden what seems so right when the first presented their case isn't right. Now that you've heard the other side of the story, this is in parenting too. When siblings, I know you know nothing of this, and you know, in my home, there's that sibling rivalry. And just the other day, you know, Levi's home from college. My daughter comes and says, Levi did this and that and this and that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, Levi, get up here. Then Levi says, oh, that's what she told you. Let me tell you the other side of the story. Then I'm like, Sabia, get back up here. What are you doing? The moral of the story, the takeaway is, don't listen to just one side of the story. Hear both sides. I feel better now. Where, where was I? We were somewhere here. Verse 18. Thank you. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. This is... We, we do it today, um, we flip a coin. You know, you can't, you can't decide, so we'll flip a coin. That's how we're going to make this decision, because we just can't come to an agreement, so we're going to just toss a coin, flip a coin. Verse 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Now you have to understand in that culture, in that time, the cities were walled for protection. Even today when you go to Jerusalem, you have the old city walls that are there to this day. And so this proverb is saying that when you offend a brother, it's harder to win them than it is to conquer a strong walled city. And the contentions with that offended brother. This is uh, Matthew 5. Jesus really raises the bar, I mean, in every arena of life. But when it comes to this, he says, if you've got a brother or sister, for that matter, that has aught against you, leave your gift at the altar. Don't serve. Leave it here. 
You go immediately, as fast as you can, you try to make it right, or it's going to cost you the last penny, the last farthing. And so do not offer the gift until you settle that matter quickly. And that's what it says in the original, do it quickly, settle it quickly. And it's something Oswald Chambers said that really has served me well over the years, especially in marital conflict. And it's not that you've been wronged, it's have you wronged. Let me say that again. Oswald Chambers says, it's not have I been defrauded, it's have I defrauded. You know, in in marriage uh, conflict, (laughs) typically it's the husband who is right, and I'm not going to go apologize until she apologizes to me first. You know, because she's wrong and I'm right. How's that working out for you too, by the way? <laughs> Husbands, you know, three, four days go by, and then you got the silent treatment. You know how that works. My, my wife and I, we don't, we have a perfect marriage because I'm the pastor. But no, early on in our marriage, oh my goodness, I was so pious, such a jerk. I was always right, she was always wrong. And if there was a conflict, I was offended. I'm the man of the house. I'm the spiritual leader. And I could quote scripture too, to prove it. You know, of course the go-to scripture is Ephesians 5, woman submit, submit. The only problem was the verse prior says we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I didn't want her to know about that verse. I just want a verse 21, not verse 20 of chapter 5. I tell you, the longer it goes, the more bars there are. I I heard a a Christian comedian by the name of Jeff Allen. I hope you don't mind. For those of you who don't appreciate this kind of humor, you'll forgive me. But he has this, he's a, uh, actually he's my age, in his 50s, and and been married to his wife for about as long as my wife and I have been married for 32 years, I think, 33 years now. And so he has this piece, and he shares his story, and he says, you know, the best advice I got was from my dad. And right before I got married, he comes to me and he says, son, you have to make a decision in your marriage. Do you want to be right, or do you want to be happy? And then he says, my dad just sobbed right there, just broke down and cried. And then he realized the first time he was headed out the door with his golf clubs, and his wife said, where are you going? And he realized, I have a choice to make. I can either be right, or I can be happy. So when his friends call, said, hey, we're going to go golfing. He says, I, I can't go golfing, but I'm a happy, happy man. I'm a happy man. So anyway, <clears throat> so our 25th wedding anniversary, my wife made up these signs. It was our, our silver anniversary. Mr. Dunright for 25 years. And on, on her chair was a sign, Mrs. Always Right <laughs> for 25 years. Okay, that's enough of the marriage part of this. Verse 20, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. In other words, you're going to eat from the labor of the produce of what you say. And and here, we're going to see this throughout the whole chapter. It's the common denominator, if you will. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it 
will eat its fruit. What a powerful piece of flesh we have here in our mouths, right? I was thinking about this uh, this last week, that the tongue has the power to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, to receive the gift of eternal life. That's how much power is in this tongue. I heard this said, that a three inch tongue can destroy a six foot tall man. That's how powerful this tongue is. There is the power of life and death in this piece of flesh that we have in our mouths that's supposed to be protected by this white picket fence we call teeth, I think, to keep that thing inside. Verse 22, my wife made me memorize this verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing (laughs) and obtains favor from the Lord. Actually, that is a true, true life principle. A wife is a good thing. Verse 23, the poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly, because they can. But the poor is more diplomatic, more tactful. They use entreaties. Verse 24, lastly, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many commentators suggest that this is speaking of none other than Jesus, who is that friend, call me friend, that sticks closer than a brother. But this first part of the verse, just real quick, and then we'll bring it to a close. You want to have friends? You must be friendly. You want people to like you? Why don't you first like them? And not just on Facebook, by the way. You want friends? You need to be a friend. The one who himself, herself is friendly will have friends. True friends, not fair-weathered friends. Everybody wants to be friends with somebody who's got money, but a poor man has no friends. There are no friends at all. If you're only going to be my friend because of what I can do for you, what you can get out of me, you're not a friend. That's an enemy, by the way. That's not a true friend. A true friend is found when you and I are first friendly, and ultimately we do have a friend. We have one friend, at least one, and he sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. I love that account in the Gospels when he says to the disciples, you know, I'm your brother. You can call me friend. You know that hymn of old? I love that classic hymn of old. What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. (laughs) This one particular verse, Oh, what peace we often forfeit, because we don't carry everything to Him in prayer. That's a very convicting verse in that famous and classic and timeless hymn. All right, a couple of closing thoughts. As we've been going through the book of Proverbs, there's been this truth, this prevailing truth that just keeps coming up and really stands out. And it has to do with what comes out of a man's mouth. The power of our words, the the power of our tongue 
It has the power of life or death. We can either build up or tear down. We can, with our tongues, confess and have eternal life. Or there's also power in that tongue that seals our fate for all eternity as well. To me, verse 21 sums it up best. Death and life. Interesting, death is mentioned first. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What comes out of our mouth. So in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, we have this account, and Jesus calls the crowd to Himself, and He says this. He says, listen and understand. I want to clear something up, because apparently there's a lot of confusion here. There's a big misunderstanding here. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Do you realize that what comes out of our mouth has the power to condemn us? That's how much power there is. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And, conversely, an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now that sounds like a firm grasp of the obvious, right? If it's good, what's going to come out is good. And then he says this, (laughs) I love this, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Think about this. You want to know what's in somebody's heart? Because keep in mind now, we only see the outward appearance. God sees the heart. I I cannot see your heart. We only see the outward appearance. And by the way, you all look marvelous. I'm looking at the outward appearance, okay? But I can't see your heart. But I can know what's in your heart. I can't see what's in it, but I can know what's in it. How? By what comes out of your mouth. If nothing but anger and bitterness and resentment comes out of your mouth, guess what? That's what's in your heart. It's kind of like this. I love this illustration. I heard somebody use this. So we're all carrying around buckets. And in those buckets, they're full of something. And how are you going to know what's in the bucket? Because you can't see what's in the bucket. All you can see is the bucket. How are you going to know what's in the bucket? Oh, why don't you go up and just kind of knock them and bumping into them, and then what spills out of that bucket? That's what's in us. Anger? No, that's what's in his heart, because that's what has spilled out of his mouth. Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. You want to know what's in somebody's heart? I mean, if you bump them, and what comes out is gentleness, kindness, love, that's what's in their heart. And by the way, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's... (laughs) more important than the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because you can have all the gifts. You can speak with the eloquence, the tongues of angels, but if you don't have love, it's a boisterous, obnoxious, ugly, annoying, irritating sound like a clanging cymbal. It means nothing. The gift is nothing if you don't have love in your heart. So what you say, what comes out of your mouth, that's what's in your heart. So be very careful, otherwise people are going to know what's in your heart. Last one, and we'll close with this. It's James 
chapter 3. I want to read verses 3 through 12. I know you're familiar with this, but I think it's apropos to what we're looking at here in, in the Proverbs. James is writing, and by the Spirit, very descriptive, very detailed. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, I'm starting not really like this thing we call our tongues. It's kind of scary a little bit, isn't it? Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Think about that the next time you stick your tongue out at somebody. With the tongue, now this, is, this, this really gets me. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The power of the tongue, what comes out of our mouth, how powerful. And you might want to do this when you get home or next time you're in the Word. Count how many Proverbs, just in this one chapter we looked at tonight, count how many of those Proverbs, there's 24 verses in chapter 18, count how many of those 24 verses in chapter 18 were about the lips, the tongue, or the mouth, and the power that we have in the words that we speak. It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. 
This will tell you why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We'd love to hear from you too, and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor JD. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth, truth.